This is Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope. Your host, Kurt Linville here. The goal of our show is to summarize each day's news so you have a one-stop shop to find out the most pertinent information about coronavirus and its advancement around the planet. But we also want to provide some analysis and interpretation so some of the confusion might be alleviated. And then in addition to that, we're providing hope for these troubled times. What the world is experiencing right now really is unprecedented. We've never had the technology before to address a global pandemic like we are addressing COVID-19. And I believe that this is actually going to greatly improve the potential outcome of this illness. I mean, if we think about the Spanish flu of 1918 and how a third of the world's population was infected and at least 50 million worldwide did die, a lot of that was because they didn't have good communications. They were not able to track what was going on. And while there were plenty of quarantines, they weren't really all that effective because social distancing wasn't understood and practiced. So here we are a hundred years later, and we certainly have the upper hand compared to those days. And one of the things that probably is going to do the most good to help combat against COVID-19 is perhaps one of the most controversial, and that is that Nations and companies around the world are asking their employees to stay home. Now, for a large percentage of that population that's staying home, they can still continue to work by working remotely or telecommuting. This obviously wasn't even possible prior to the internet and modern technology, but it is now. Now, on to the numbers. I did a little bit of analysis today on the numbers to present them in a way that might be a little bit more meaningful and different. The total worldwide count right now of coronavirus cases is up to 415,000, and that's still a very small number compared with the population of the planet. We're going to see a steep rise on that number continue as more people are tested, so it's not necessarily an accurate trend of the growth of coronavirus. We closed out the day yesterday with 43,734 cases in the United States. That's, call it 44,000 cases. Since September, we've had 36 million cases of the flu and 22,000 deaths. So we know that the flu in the United States has already killed half as many people as have been identified positive for coronavirus in the United States. I just want to keep giving you that perspective. I think some of the numbers that are most telling right now are the number of serious cases out of the total number of active cases, and that's a really good news story for the United States so far. We have 2.4% of the cases that are active right now in the United States considered serious. That's very, very low. It just further illustrates that this disease is uh, fairly minor for the vast majority of people who catch it. I did some math today so that I could talk directly about the number of people that are ill per a given population, and this is telling. There is one person with coronavirus per every almost 18,000 people in China. Now, China has a huge population, as you know, and they did contain the coronavirus very efficiently. So right now, they're sitting at one person was sick per 18,000 people of the population. The United States, one out of 7,500 people is sick. So one out of 7,500 people has the illness. In Spain, the numbers are a little worse. One out of every 1,300. And in Italy, of course, we know they're struggling there. One out of every 946. But still, in Italy, we're talking about roughly one out of 1,000 people that has the illness. 
So don't let the media scare you, right? It's not like everybody in Italy is sick and dying. That's not happening. It is true that the hospitals are overwhelmed right now, and we need to send them a lot of love, people. But they only have one out of a thousand people who are actually sick at this time. Another way to think about that, and I want you to think about it, not to be reckless, but just to be reassured, if you were to go out into the world in the United States and start shaking hands, you would have to shake 7,576 hands before the probabilities would say that you actually had shaken the hand of someone that had coronavirus. Now, the, the weird part is that you may have shaken that person's hand on the 300th hand or the 7,000th hand, right? You, we don't really know. But still, the probability of meeting someone who has the virus in the United States is still very, very low. Now, we should still continue our social distancing. This matters. But I want you to realize, while we're taking wise measures, we don't have to live in fear. In yesterday's episode, I covered 10 recommendations for telecommuting successfully, and I also talked quite a lot about the necessary change in methodology for management and also about performance reporting. These two things make telecommuting not only viable, but potentially much more efficient and better than reporting to the office daily. I know that that is a a bold claim to make, but it's not unfounded and it's not without precedent. But before I dive into that, if you have not yet listened to yesterday's show, then please do so. I think the information in there is a prerequisite for fully understanding what's going on with today's show. But why am I making the bold claim that working from home can be much better for employees and for companies? But not only that, I think it is also better for society, for families, for the environment. And I'm going to go into details on that. I've been blessed over my career in the last 25 years to work remotely at least some percentage of each week, if not full-time. I certainly appreciate the, the challenges, the ups and the downs, and the benefits of remote working, so I want to share that with you today. Here's a case study, though, that came out of Freakonomics Radio. I love the Freakonomics podcast. If you do not yet listen to Freakonomics, then it's worthwhile. On their episode that came out about four days ago... They were talking about telecommuting, and there was actually a company in Shanghai, and this was reported by economist Nick Bloom. They did a study six years ago. This company in Shanghai was a large online travel agency called Ctrip, and they allowed employees to work from home. And part of the reason was because office space was so expensive in Shanghai. So it was a big experiment. Out of 1,000 employees, 500 volunteered to try working from home, and they were tracked for nine months. At the end of nine months, Here are the conclusions. They were 13% more productive than the office employees. Let me repeat that. The 500 employees that worked from home were 13% more productive than the 500 employees that remained in the office. Now, reasons for this were determined to be that they worked more of a full shift. That's probably because they spent less time around the coffee pot visiting with peers. Uh, They also said that there was a better work environment at home, less interruptions, quieter, that sort of thing. And here's another interesting point. The turnover rate, the number of people that quit their jobs, was half among the people that telecommuted. I'm not surprised by these outcomes at all. And the reason is because in my years of telecommuting, I have experienced what they're talking about. A better work environment, but also the appreciation for the convenience, uh, not needing to drive to the office, 
more time with family, more time to exercise and be healthy because your commuting time is given back to you. And because of that, workers develop a, a real sense of allegiance and appreciation for the fact that they are able to work from home. It's seen as a benefit which creates that desire to stay with the program and do a very, very good job. It, it motivates people. It, it only makes sense when you give people a benefit then they're willing to work for it. So while no one would wish COVID-19 on a planet, no one wants to see people be sick and people die from this sort of a pandemic, good things may come out of this. I hope that it's not at too high of a price. But finally, the world is doing the grand experiment. People are working from home in mass. And I would like to highlight some of the benefits for remote working for the planet, for individuals, for societies, I have a, a long list here of ways that it helps, and these are the sorts of things that I hope we're able to look deeply into after this, that economists will be able to measure improvements in these areas so that we'll know the real benefits of being able to work remotely. Advantages of location independence. And I like the term location independence because that means you're not just able to work from home, you can work from other places you know, maybe it's a coffee shop, maybe it's a park, maybe it's from a different city around the world. Either way, there are benefits. the expense of the highways. Commuting to and from the office can be ridiculous in today's modern world. We have so many cars on the road, the cities are so congested, and in most places the roads are getting old, pretty beat up, the infrastructure is aging, and it's extraordinarily expensive to maintain it and even more expensive to expand it. The amount of money that our society spends on roads just so people can drive to and from work is ridiculous. If a percentage of the world's population could telecommute, then the roads would be easier to maintain and we may not have to expand all the roads. I see this as a good thing. What about air pollution and the environment? Yesterday, I cited a study where reduction in air pollution could save many more lives than the COVID-19 virus will cost. And while that's not a cost-benefit analysis that anyone really wants to look into, it's just noteworthy. Air pollution kills more people than most of us even remotely fathom. For a long time now, I've thought it very interesting that global warming has become the hot topic when if we were to look at the death rate caused by air pollution, that seems like a much more imminent problem right now than the eventual long-term effects of global warming. And if we were to look at the death rates caused by air pollution, we might be motivated to make more changes right now that would benefit humanity and the environment. What about the size and the expense of office space? If companies have a remote working policy, then they can reduce the size of the required office space, maybe by half or even two-thirds, 
which means that their lease rate goes down, the cube farm rentals go down, environmental controls, janitorial services, all these things go significantly down in price and can save companies vast amounts of expenses. What about increased productivity? I already mentioned this with the Shanghai study, but productivity does tend to go up when people work from home, and a lot of managers are very suspicious of this claim because, of course, employees keep telling management, I get so much more done at home than I do when I'm in the office. But management thinks, yeah, really? Because if you're not here, you may not even be working. How do I know you're getting more done? You're going to say that because you want to keep telecommuting. Well, it's been measured. It's not only been measured, but I think the employees know what they're talking about. When you have a work environment that is more at the employee's discretion and he or she can choose the type of work environment in which he or she is most productive, then it just makes sense their productivity would increase. Not to mention the allegiance that I already talked about. This allegiance makes employees want to do a good job so that they can keep telecommuting because they realize what a huge benefit it is. What about vehicle expense for individuals? How much money do we all spend on buying and maintaining cars? In the West, that number is extraordinary. If we don't wear out cars so quickly, we can reduce our vehicle expense, and that is a very real pay raise. And what's cool about this, a lot of people don't think of it this way, there's the old adage that a penny saved is a penny earned. That's not really true. A penny saved is about a penny and a third earned. And what I mean by that is if you save money, you don't have to pay income taxes on it. So saving money with vehicle expenses is a very real benefit. What about time savings? Oh my word. Commuting time stinks. People sit in traffic looking at red brake lights. We get road rage and frustration and breathe fumes and wish we were home where we could rest and do things that matter to us, but instead we're sitting in traffic trying to get to an office or sitting in traffic trying to get home from an office. It's just the biggest time sink and complete waste of a life. So the time savings from not needing to commute... I don't even know how to put a price tag on that, but I also know, this is anecdotally talking to fellow colleagues who also telecommute, most of us, when we get our commuting time back, spend a little bit more time on the job when we're at home, because we still get quite a bit of time back, and instead of feeling like, oh, I've got to jump out of the office and rush away because I'm going to get stuck behind that huge traffic jam, it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about the traffic jam, and I'm in the middle of this right now, I'd really like to wrap this up. What that means is people work a little bit longer giving some of that commuting time back to their companies. What about increased family flexibility and bonding? I personally believe that one of the biggest problems in the West right now is that families don't get enough time together. Moms and dads need to spend more time with kids. It means a better tomorrow. And whenever you get some of that commuting time back, and if your schedule is a little bit more flexible because of location independence, then it allows for parents and kids and brothers and sisters to have much healthier relationships. And listen, healthy families make for healthy countries, and healthy countries make for a healthy world. The nuclear family is the fundamental building block of society, and we should do everything we can to encourage health in family life. 
The results on these studies are clear. Families matter. What about the spread of illness? Oh, wait a minute, that's what started this whole conversation. COVID-19, staying home to slow the spread of illness. But it's not just COVID-19. What about all the worker productivity that's lost due to the flu, due to colds, due to bronchitis, due to other sorts of contagious illnesses that pass through our offices every spring, every fall, through the winter? If people are telecommuting, then this is reduced, not just for a crisis, but all the way across the board, and companies get that productivity back. Not only that, but people can be healthier. And healthy people are more productive. Healthy people are happier. Healthier people can live better, richer, more fulfilling lives. So it makes sense to telecommute to avoid the spread of illnesses. Better concentration. Woo, already mentioned this, talking about a better work environment. But it's not just lack of interruptions and a quieter place to work. It's actually being able to choose a work environment that allows each worker to concentrate more. Once you concentrate, you can get so much more done in the same period of time. What about reduced childcare expenses? By allowing people to work from home, it doesn't mean they have to be doing full-time childcare while they're also on the job. You know, there need to be policy statements about that, but it does allow more flexibility, reducing the amount of childcare required. And this is beneficial not only for the budget, but it's also beneficial for the family unit. Again, more time with the kids being with their parents, but not only that, When children don't go to daycare, again, we've reduced the spread of illness and made a healthier population. Okay, here's a huge one. Stress reduction. Modern medicine is finding out that the number one killer in our nation might actually be stress. And the reason why I say that is because many of the illnesses that take the top slots for killing people across the world are actually stress-related illnesses. And living a more moderate, less stressful life can reduce the rate of these stress-induced illnesses. But it's not just about reducing illness, it's also about joy. It's about fulfilling lives. It's about happiness. Stress reduction can bring a richness to life that otherwise is impossible. I mentioned road rage briefly. Think about how much less road rage there would be if we could reduce the number of cars on the highways and interstates by 30%, 40%, 50%. Wouldn't that be amazing? Road rage kills. Road rage ruins everyone's day. I think that is self-evident. Enough said. How about fewer vehicular accidents? You know, in Colorado, they post the number of deaths on Colorado highways. As the year goes by, you see the number climb more and more and more and more. And it gets really, really tragic when you realize how many hundreds or even thousands of people are dying on the highways every year. Well, if you can reduce the congestion and you can reduce the road rage, then you can reduce vehicular accidents and save lives. That's not only saves lives. Think about the savings to society in healthcare expenses. What about the opportunity for mass transit to uh, actually keep up for a change? I know that cities around the world are trying to enhance their mass transit to battle against the road congestion and the pollution. 
by reducing the number of cars on the roads, you actually allow the mass transit systems a chance. And people that now feel like they have no choice but to own a vehicle might be able to give that vehicle up and just rely on mass transit a little bit more, which just benefits society as a whole. Now, that was all about location independence. But there's another element of this that I also think is valuable, and that is time independence. It's related, but different. But if you put the two together, you get the maximum benefits. What is time independence? That means working the shifts that make the most sense for the employee and for the company. And there has to be some sort of an overlap there, obviously. Workers need to be on the job when the company needs them to be on the job. But if the company doesn't need them to be on the job, then why don't the workers work the time that works best for them and their families and their own schedules? It's as simple as that. What happens to rush hour when people are not trying to get to the office around the same time every day? We build our roads for rush hour, for the busiest times of the day. So if we can reduce rush hour just by spreading the traffic out a little bit, it reduces the demand for infrastructure enhancements. Of course, telecommuting can do that even more, but with time independence and telecommuting, you can really maximize this benefit. What about the idea of working around your exercise schedule? If you have flexible work hours, then you can choose the best time of the day to get in your exercise. And many people, when they commute to an office, don't even have time for exercise. The, the truly committed and hardy get up at 4.30 in the morning so they can get to the gym before work. But what percentage actually pull that off? It kind of goes against human nature. To get up that early so that you can get to the gym, so you can work really hard before you get in your car to sit there for 30 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half to get to the office so that you can sit there and try to work for eight hours so that you can then get in the car and sit in traffic for 30 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half so that you can get back home, try to reconnect with your family, eat a dinner and get to bed in time so you can get up at 4.30 the next morning to start it all over again. Whew, that's exhausting just thinking about it which is the reason why I believe most people are not getting their exercise in. But with a flexible, time-independent schedule, workers can work exercise into the day more easily. You can also work around family schedules. What if you need to pick up the kids from school? What if there's some sort of a special event that you would like to attend with your family? Can you work around that? Doctor's appointments, social appointments. As long as people are getting the work done, then time independence starts to liberate people to do the best work they can and to live the richest, most fulfilling lives that they can. Working according to one's own circadian rhythms or biorhythms really helps productivity. Different people work better at different times. Some people do their best work at 2 a.m. I'm not that person, but some people do. And if they have time independence, as long as they're producing what they have an agreement to produce with the company, then maybe that starts to make sense. This allows for more social health as well. As society interacts with each other, as community is built, we get that huge social benefit. I could go on and on and on about time independence. It is a little bit trickier to accomplish, I believe, than location independence, but if you can combine the two, at least to some degree, it offers maximum benefit. I uh, once talked to a company owner who said, 
I don't care where my employees work. I don't care when my employees work. I only care that they produce the work that they've been hired to produce. That attitude is a beautiful thing. And again, listen to yesterday's show about productivity reports. This is what makes it possible. Management doesn't have to be looking down employees' necks to make sure that they're producing. They just have to see the results of the work that people are doing. And, of course, there's also a corporate social dynamic which is necessary. And in yesterday's show, I covered using modern technology to maintain that social development. But you do need to get companies together face-to-face in the same room That can happen by renting a facility for an event rather than expensive long-term office space leases. Now, let me take this to the next level. For some job types out there, work can be done practically anywhere on the planet. This frees people up to travel and work or even explore the planet long-term while working and earning money. I have visited with several people who have done this successfully and found it to be a very rewarding season of life that worked for their company, for their families, and for themselves. The possibilities are almost endless, and really the formula is quite simple. People have to be personally responsible, dedicated workers. They have to report their productivity so management knows what's getting done. There has to be a vehicle to develop community culture in the company, And that means that some FaceTime is still required, but a lot of that can be done with video conferencing. I just listed more than 20 huge benefits for location independence and also time independence. I would like to make a strong statement here. This is not the 20th century. This is the 21st century. We now have the technology. The planet needs the environmental break. Our families need the break. Nations, states, municipalities, counties around the planet all need the budgetary advantages. It is asinine that our society is still adhering to archaic practices from the beginning of the 20th century, more than 100 years ago, when we now have the way to conduct business, our corporate lives, and our individual lives so much better. It is sad to me that it took COVID-19 for us to try this grand experiment where so many people are being asked to work remotely. But I think that if people apply good remote working practices, we will find that it is a much better way to conduct our affairs on planet Earth. So there could be a positive outcome from this. It's something we can all look forward to. We will weather this storm apart yet together. I'm Kurt Linville. And this show is produced by Caleb Linville. Until tomorrow, be safe out there.